somebody just saying, you, you just can't stop these guys from doing the things that they've always done. Like, yes, you can. We've all had to stop doing things that we've always done. I mean, it's, it's, let's not act like asking guys to not high five and bro hug is that complicated. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the best podcast in baseball brought to you by Closets by Design of St. Louis. I'm St. Louis Post-Dispatch baseball writer Derek Gould, joined this week by my friend Kevin Wheeler of Sirius XM and a contributor to KMOX 1120 AM. I have to first apologize that we missed uh, the best podcast in baseball last week. There were, what do we call them, Kevin? Mitigating circumstances? <laughs> I was... Can we just say that uh, the blank hit the fan? I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on the podcast, but yeah. You're not. We have a, we have a clean cast. <laughs> so let's just say it hit the fan. Let's say that. All right. Yeah, I was a little busy. Um, I had a lot of time on my hands in a hotel room, but not a lot of time to record a podcast. And also, to be fair, like things were changing so rapidly. Yeah. And you probably had a sense of this, too, that it seemed like, okay, I could record a podcast at 11 a.m. and talk about how the Cardinals are still in quarantine. And at 4 p.m., it could be their test results come back and they have a bona fide outbreak of more significance. I mean, any outbreak is, is obviously significant, but let's say exponential significance. So it just seemed a little bit like the timing was wrong to do a podcast that would age, you know, 15 minutes before it was published. Yeah. Probably not the best for the shelf life. Right. And not, not to mention the fact that, you know, like it had to be hard and probably easier for you given your job than it is for the rest of us to, to keep up with it because it felt like there was just stuff hitting the wall nonstop that, you know, you were getting former big league players and national baseball writers all kind of throwing stuff out there that that seemed to make sense. But now that we've let that time pass, Derek, as you're talking about, if you had done the podcast in the middle of all that, how accurate could it have been? Well, we saw how accurate could have been. We saw Twitter over the last week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think there's going to be some real significant hard questions that journalists are going to have to answer here in the in the near future or when looking back on this, uh, because it's like, you know, there weren't a whole lot of corrections issued on Twitter. There were a whole lot of retweets and likes and things that, you know, caused a brush fire that got a lot of attention. But it wasn't like the follow ups that clarified got the same amount of attention. They never um, do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I don't know. I, mean, I don't know how to solve that. I, nothing you could do about it. I mean, like, you know, if if you're in position like you are, where you're with the team every day, all you can do is is report the, the, the information that you get, right? I mean, you can go through and do what you did these last couple of days and, you know, lay out the details. The problem now is, and look, we're all, I mean, I'm definitely a part of the quote-unquote retweet group because when you see something that's relevant, to a team and then it's coming from a name that mm -hmm. should be reputable right i mean it's coming from the, there are names because of the that followers they have or because of the check mark by their name or because of their history their history in, in the case of the of the people i mean i don't know if you want me to name names or not but i mean you know typically speaking when i see someone like john Heyman, who's yeah. been established for Plugged a long in. time put something Plugged out there in. Yeah, I, I don't I don't usually think, wow, he's just a BS artist. You know, right. there are people out there where my radar will go off. I'll be like, all right, hold on. Like, the, you know, the the idea that, you know, and look, I know guys that played in the big leagues have connections, right? Because a lot of this started with Jerry Hairston Jr. Apparently, 
Yeah. yeah. And look, well, but but no, you know what though? It wasn't just the casino thing. I mean, that's if we're going right, to talk right. about the cover of this, right. the coverage of this, there were also tweets out there about you know how many players tested positive, right? Um, right. That were wrong. Um, you know, and eventually the answer was seven. So to give people kind of an update here. So 13 members of the Cardinals traveling party tested positive for COVID-19. Definite outbreak, the definition of an outbreak. It got yeah. into the Cardinals clubhouse and it spread and it spread rapidly. And it spread about like their contact tracing expected it to, especially because they had two positive tests that got back to them on Thursday those were positive tests from tests taken Wednesday in Minnesota. Um, so tests taken before they even got to Minneapolis. Then they had they identified a third player that was likely going to test positive, isolated that third player. So now you had three of the seven. Right. Then they had a series of inconclusive tests mm-hmm. um, for both staff and player that had to be reviewed and confirmed. And it was at that point in time. So we're talking Saturday into Sunday that they realized that they had a bloom on their hands and that the number of players was going to at least double. It turns out that it more than doubled and that their traveling party was going to have a significant um, portion of it that was exposed and had to go through additional testing. So there we go with that is like, that's where things stand. Now a report on say Friday that the Cardinals, a report, a tweet on Friday that the Cardinals had four to six players test positive. Well, that was not correct at the time, and the fact that it was eventually correct on Monday doesn't make it so because those tests weren't confirmed and the positives didn't happen until after the tweet had landed. So, you know, it's just very fascinating because, you know, I I, I get it. There's a real scramble to things. But for me personally, and I've been trying to be transparent with readers and everybody and anybody who asks is – you know, it is like this is not trade rumors. <laughs> right, right. Completely you know, this, different. Right. This is not. This is this is public health. This is player health. And this is this is news. And it's exactly like when covering the hacking scandal. That was a federal crime. Right. I was not going to ruminate or speculate on Twitter what kind of sentencing that could come down because of the hacking scandal, because a, it was federal crime. So we knew what kind of sentencing was going to come down. You could actually make a phone call, but you can make a phone call and find out what it was. You didn't have to guess. Right. Right. You know, it's federal crime. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we didn't have to guess. We could make the phone call, make the phone call and find out tweet later. So I, I'm trying to keep in mind that that's what this is. And then there's the added part of the, you know, the medical privacy, right? Um, where some people can choose to not reveal themselves. And right, right. so how do you ethically respond to that? What What are the ethics of that? And every, in, every newspaper outlet or every media outlet has to make their own call. And I know like the athletic has advertised what its policy is. And the Post-Dispatch has a very similar policy on that as far as respecting the medical privacy. Now, six players did um, acknowledged that they had six right. of the seven players did come out and say that, and it leaves a substantial hole in the Cardinals. I mean, it touches every aspect of the Cardinals roster. A fourth of their roster is on the injured list now because of well, is on the COVID related in, in, in injury injury list, and that includes all stars Yadier Molina and Paul DeYoung, who both admitted that they or both acknowledged both um, you know 
gave, I guess, permission to release to the their team, name. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and Molina took care of it on his own. Well, that's true. He um, went to Instagram, right? He went to Instagram on his own. And Paul DeYoung also worked with his agent to come up with a way to reveal um, and then did so with the team. Um, and then, of course, you have all-star Carlos Martinez, who is on the injured list and has declined. And I've reached out, um, talked to a couple of different people, actually, um, has declined to uh, to reveal the results of his test. But he's still absent from the team. So you have three all-stars that have been removed from the team um, all in the span of a weekend. Right. And that's where things stand right now. Um, so you what was it like for you then? Because you had to kind of parse this stuff. You had to kind of, you know, see the tidal wave, um, the grasping at, you know, news, the, uh, you know, the, the way I've come up with it is there was a chase for retweets and likes, and then there was a chase for news. And these were not always coexisting. Well, no, no. I mean, look, one of them is immediate and the other one takes time, right? I mean, look how long it took for you to be able to get everything you needed to lay it all out. Right. I mean, you're getting piecemeal things here and there. But, you know, for, for me on the outside, trying to make sense of it was the hard part, because, you know, typically speaking, like, and when I say on the outside, obviously I'm in St. Louis, but I'm not following the team. You know, I'm not traveling with the team. I'm not at the ballpark when they're here. So, you know, what I'm getting is, you know, scattered, let's just say. Right. It's coming from you, but it's also coming from national baseball writers. It's it's definitely. Like it, it, the heart, the part that becomes difficult, Derek, is, you know, when you, when you, I think your comparison to the trade rumors is probably what makes it difficult because for normal baseball news, right? You know, players being promoted and demoted, trade rumors, free agent offseason rumors. It's not the end of the world if you go to Twitter with something that is, you know, I don't want to say untrue, but maybe not provable, right? Or it's not, it's not something that can be verified. It, the, the part where it becomes more difficult is something like this, like with the Cardinals or with the Marlins, because we heard we, this played out exactly the same way with the Marlins. It, you know, there was the rumor about the guys going to a strip club and doing all this. And, and it was, and it gets pushed around almost like it's just another trade rumor or another free agent contract negotiation. And, what makes it difficult is who is is putting things out there, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's somebody that's got you know uh, the the title of reporter, analyst, insider, and they work for reputable organizations and they've been good on things in the past, it's it's hard to ignore that. But it's also at the same time not not right, but also not really fair to just look at something and say immediately. This is what happened because I think that's what happened. You know, I think it's not a coincidence, Derek, that, you know, with with a lot of the speculation around the Cardinals, where the fan base went and where the general public went was already almost automatically to the people that they already have predispositions about. Right. Like as hmm. soon as something goes wrong, Cardinal Nation's going to go. It's got to be Carlos. It's exactly what they're going to do. They're going to do it every time. Every time something bad happens in, when it comes to judgment or or behavior, the, the first instant reaction is going to be, well, I bet you Carlos is involved. And then as soon That's as you start. That's the loudest reaction. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it may not be the one that gets. It's, it it's, it's not. There it's were not, a lot of people that probably didn't have reactions at all. 
Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. The loud. We only, we only see we only see the reactions, though. We don't see the non-reactions. Right, but we have to take that into account. That yeah. the, that the loudest tends to be the angriest because that's the motivation to have a reaction. Correct. Or yeah. to or to compel or uh, feed a narrative that you already bought into, which yeah. is swimming upstream for some of us. Yeah, <laughs> I would I would bet so, and I think this is the you know this dynamics and and this is not going to be the last time i can't believe that these are the only two teams that are going to have problems this year i mean i would love for that to be the case and i would love for this kind of renewed passion for following guidelines more strictly to last and for it to be real and for teams to to you know somehow some way get through this without the major disruptions because we're still going to see i mean even around baseball we've seen a player here or there a staffer here or there that goes out but we have we've only had the two where you've had the outbreaks with the Marlins mm-hmm. and the Cardinals. I would love to believe that it's not going to happen again, but it's going to, and I'm going to be willing to bet that the same dynamic's going to happen again. Yeah. I mean, I, I can tell you about what it was like on the road, or you can ask questions about it because um, it was a revealing experience and, and I'm, I'm happy to discuss it. And I think we also can discuss about like the different dynamics of our sides of the media world too. Right, right. But, but first, I have to tell people about our sponsor. The best podcast in baseball is brought to you by Closet by Design. Imagine your home totally organized. Closet by Design specializes in custom closets, pantries, laundry rooms, garages, and more. Now get 40% plus an additional 15% off. Closet by Design, 314-733-9855. Closet by Design, the official sponsor of the best podcast in baseball and usually the weekly best podcast in baseball. But I, uh, I'm going to take a mulligan on last week. So thank you for your patience. <laughs> So, Kevin, you know, you touched on a couple of things there. One, to just kind of bring a, a closure to the, the media conference so it was like you and I are our conversation, the media conversation. You and right. I are both under the big umbrella of media. Right. However, the things that we can talk about on a podcast or you can talk about on your show are different yeah. because of the roles that we have. And so, like, when you or asked your opinion on things um you know tell me about like the standards that you have to have and or you you have set for yourself or you had when you were you know at various radio stations and how you would handle like rumors on twitter well i mean so it it really does depend on what the rumor is so let's talk about serious stuff so when it's you know, when it's trade rumors and all that, I think we can, you know, we all generally operate under the, the idea at that time of year, you know what's going on, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're a baseball fan and it's trade deadline time or it's winter meetings time and you're hearing all kinds of stuff, like to me, that stuff is, I don't want to say it's entirely harmless, but really it's not, it's not serious. It's just baseball, right? It's just right. who might go where. It's not affecting somebody's personal life. It's not um, like this kind of story where you, you have an, you know, a pandemic that the world is dealing with and it, you know, you really do have to rely on science, right? The tests, you have to rely on yeah. the results. And so I, you have to separate the two things, right? Is it, is it something that's again, relatively harmless, that is all about conversation and then how do you frame it? You know, to me, that's the big, big thing for, you know, somebody that's either a talk show host or just doing whether it's podcast or radio, or if you're just doing an opinion piece somewhere, like you have your own blog and it's just opinion, as long as it's couched as that, it's mm-hmm. not a big deal, right? I mean, that's the point. You have to, you have to have a, as you put it, kind of a, 
a set of standards, but as long as the standard is, hey, this is out there, we don't know if it's true, but what if it is? Right. Kind of move along. Well, obviously, that's completely different than what a reporter does. That's, <laughs> I mean, my job is not to to report. My job is to talk about what everyone else is talking about. Right. It's right. Right. Like so, what what do, what do people want to hear about? And depending on the on the on the topic, it gets more sensitive when it comes to things like this, or when right. it comes to and, and this is unique. Right? You know, we've never experienced anything like this at all before but there have been other serious stories right whether it's you know a death off the field a sick family member you know something along those or or i mean you know and using um even the cardinals there have been some off the field allegations leveled against players going back years those are things you have to be, to me be a lot more careful about and not get into the speculation as opposed to just regular old sports stuff right well it's like the the difference is right if you and I are on the same show or we're here on the podcast right, right right and we're talking about a possible trade you could talk about it from the perspective of your analysis of it and if yeah. you, and we could say the same thing but you are coming at it from the fact that you are reading the reports that are out there mm-hmm. right the yep. tweets the national reporters and all that stuff and then assessing that whereas if i say it i have to have independently confirmed it right right so these are way different things is that like like if i if we could say the same thing but because our jobs are different we have to come at it from completely different angles um because the accountability is different you can uh, um offer up an opinion on some report that was made i have to i have to because of the newspaper and the the expectations of my bosses, I have to have validity to that report. Um, if somebody says, "Well, that report is wrong," then you can shift your opinion. If somebody comes to me and says, "Well, that report is wrong," then I have to shift my job. Exactly, you have to you that's have to go huge, back and correct it. Yeah, that's a rather significant thing. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I, I know it's I know it's your podcast, but I I, I feel like I want to be the radio guy and go ahead. That's why I had you on because (laughs) I figured this would be a good chance for cross-examination because for me, it's, it's, the standards are easier. I mean, let's just be honest. It it is. It's, it's a, it's a simpler form because it's entertainment versus reporting, right? That's the biggest difference in the, if you're if I were going to look at the biggest difference between the two things that, that each of us do, one is to have, is to entertain people that are tuning in to listen. The other one is to get information to people. Which is again a completely different thing. So interesting. Um, so we, as we talk about like the kind of the parallel nature of where we're at, um, you're only. So I'm only as good as the information that I can get. Right. And right. I acknowledge that I can't get every information. I run into brick walls all the time, but I, but I find my way around them, through them, or I find my way nose pressed up against them to every fact that I can get. So I'm only as good as the information that I can get. Right. In your position, you're really only as good as the information you can vet. Correct? Like mm. if you too often rely on somebody who is unreliable, then there, doesn't that catch up with you in your opinions? Okay, so yeah, there's there's the there's a short game and a long game, right? Right. So the short game is you're only as good as how well you can frame a conversation. Right. How do you make something interesting and compelling or finding or figuring out, deciding 
what's interesting and compelling and, and going with the interesting slash compelling and ignoring that, that, that which is not those things. So mm. the short term is, and you'll see this from, you know, the guys that do a lot of this on the national level, you'll see this from like Colin Cowherd, for example, where mm. it, it, this is not a shot at him, by the way, because this is the talking about the differences between us. Cause I'm in the same realm that he is. His job is not to have the most important thing. His job is to have the most interesting thing. And how do you put a framework around it that makes your listeners stay? And how long will they stay while you do that? And it's, it, and now long-term, you can't be the guy that's wrong all the time. Long-term, eventually people tune you out. If you, if you're, so like there's that long game. So if you're always a BSer or if you're always going to be kind of, uh, what would I say? Guessing, mm-hmm. right? If you're if you're willing to do that, I think longer term, you can lose people. But I mean, there are a lot of people out there, Skip Bayless, that are wrong a lot, and they don't care because it doesn't matter because their job is just to to stir up debate, and they have a partner that they can go back and forth with, and you know, that's kind of the 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 business that I'm in. Right. I mean, I try not yeah. to be that. I, I don't, I don't personally enjoy uh, the contrarian attack or I don't, I don't personally enjoy overblowing something that really isn't a big deal. Cause I do think like if, you know, and again, it's different being on a national media outlet because, you know, like for example, if you're on ESPN radio, Derek, or if you're on, you know, Fox one or whatever you're on, you've got a huge, huge machine behind you. Yeah, right. Yeah. You've got a huge promotional machine uh, that has all kinds of resources to make sure that you always have the very biggest name guests, that you always have access to um, production materials that are going to jazz things up. And you're doing it like, you know, on the stakes that are on the levels that I've done it, which is just regular old national talk radio and then local talk radio. At some point, it's going to catch up to you. Yeah. Right. At some point, if you're always the guy that's just making stuff up or pulling crap out of a hat or just running with whatever anybody says, you're going to end up contradicting yourself. You're going to end up being the guy that looks like he's kind of a fool. And obviously, well, yeah, it depends on I guess it depends on the market. It depends on on your own listenership. Yeah, I uh, I can empathize and then really feel for people who are consumers of news for something you touched on there is like you mentioned Skip Bayless, right? He is a former newspaper reporter. Right. Used to be a reporter, right? Right. And so he comes with that tailwind into a TV show. And so I can totally empathize with watcher with, with people who are consuming that saying, well, he's got this background of a, of a newspaper guy and there's Gould trying to argue and describe what, what it's like to be a newspaper guy. Well, doesn't he take that same quality into that TV show? I, yeah, you, you know, I, I, it's very confusing. And, and we as a media don't draw thick enough, sharpie length, you know, and lines. Yeah. Yeah. Between this. And, um, you know, I, I go back to the description that, uh, you know, I used to use and now is probably as applies to Twitter too, is look, rumors are writ on water. Reports are written in stone. <laughs> exactly. That's a really good way to put it. Yeah, because if, you, if you're just saying, hey, I'm hearing this, and right. then it doesn't come true, it's not a big deal. And you can brush it off and say, oh, that was just smoke in my eyes. Right. Oh, you Somebody, know, I, yeah, I, I got one info. person tell me that I have bad info. But right. I put something in the paper and it's wrong. Oof. Bad news. You know, yeah. I mean, uh, that, that's not 
you know, I do it often enough. That's not much of a career. Maybe there are people here listening who are going, do it more often, do it more often. (laughs) I respect the hustle of some of the guys who are first because it speaks to commitments for a career. Sure. Sure. But first and correct would be the way to go. Ken is first a lot um, because of his, because of years of working and developing sources and building trust. And that, that, that's, you talk about the long game. That's an admirable and respectable long game. So, and you're, as you pointed out though, it's only right. It's only work doesn't work unless he's right. That's right. right? That I mean, is correct. It, it, if, if he's wrong on all of those things and so what, what let's, let's talk about the baseball aspect all of right. it, or even the road aspect of it. Um, where does this leave the Cardinals? They are set to return to play Friday night against the Cubs, the steamrolling can't lose Cubs, <laughs> um, who have, I believe, won the equivalent of 24 games in the time the Cardinals have been in quarantine. If, if I'm doing the math right there, right. based on the 2.7, but they've won a lot and yep. they're playing pretty well. Um, I've watched them a little bit. They're playing well enough to win. They've got um, some holes. Yeah, they, they don't have a closer. Yeah, their bullpen's a little weird right now. Um, yeah, their bullpen's a little weird. Their lineup is really strong. Their defense is curious. Um, yeah, but uh, but they they've been playing where the Cardinals have not. So right. where where are the Cardinals now? What's your view of of their situation? Well, this is this is where I think there's some fun, interesting conversation on like moving forward. What's how aggressive should you be? Right. This is the question. Now, the Cardinals have only played five games. So I e- even someone like me that likes to say you got to make decisions faster. You've got to you know adjust. Five games is still not very much information, but it's all the information we've had now as we've sat around for almost a week. And it'll be a week by the time we actually get to that game Friday. So how quickly are you going to adapt without two of your guys that you count on to hit in the middle part of your order? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, Paul DeYoung's batting cleanup. Yachty's batting sixth. And you're already a lineup that brought the baggage from last year into this year that you weren't particularly strong. Mm-hmm. And you lost your cleanup hitter from last year. And you weren't off to the greatest of starts this year. You had a little success against Pittsburgh. Um, but obviously, Pittsburgh's not really known for their their strength of, of starting pitching at this point. And you had a rough time for the most part in Minnesota before everything got shut down. It's a really good team. Yeah, they're really good. I mean, that, the Twins that, are really good. That lineup is is just unbelievable. Like you, you go one through eight, and there's somebody there that can beat you. I mean, they, during that series, Miguel Sano was hitting seventh, eighth a, one day, right? Yeah, that's a guy with the 900 OPS last year and 34 bombs. Yeah, and, and the Cardinals are talking eight. about by committee. We could get 850. We can find an 800, <laughs> 850 guy. So here's the question, because the, the first thing that happened was, okay, you've got you've got a middle-of-the-order bat in Paul DeYoung, but they're flexible. The best thing about the Cardinals is they have guys that – they got moving pieces, right? They've mm-hmm. got a lot of guys who can do a lot of things, and a guy like Tommy Edmond gives you a lot of flexibility. Um, so you can put him at shortstop for a short period of time. Matt Carpenter can play third. Now Brad Miller's there. He can play there. they got these movable pieces, but you still have – now half of a lineup that you don't know what you can expect it from it. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And I guess the, the debate, and I'm sure you got it first thing first. I know the first thing that came to my mind and the first thing that people brought to me was, is this the time we get to see Dylan Carlson? Is this the time where we get to see if the shiny new toy 
is able to spruce things up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I understand all of the circumstances that go into that decision right now. Do you? Go I ahead. mean, I, I do, but I don't necessarily agree when it comes to opportunity. Like, so I'll use this. I use the Dodgers as an example, right? I mean, they've mm-hmm. got some. They've got some pretty core offensive players that were late bloomers, right? You've got Justin right. Turner. You've got Max Muncie. Those guys never had a door held open for them for months on end. Nobody said, "Hey, you know what? We're going to make sure you get your chance." When they got their chance, they made something from it. And mm-hmm. at first, it was in sporadic playing time. At first, it was here and there. And then, the more they kept doing it, the more it bloomed into something. And sometimes I feel like the Cardinals are holding the door open for people, waiting for them to walk through it. And sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. Where, and again, it's not like we're doing this just on five games. I mean, we've had multiple seasons for many of the people that we're talking about. And right. I'm not saying I'm not saying that you throw everything out the window because I do understand, like starting the clock. And what if this thing all gets shut down next week? Right. Do you yeah. want to do you really want to take that risk of starting it up, even though we could all stop at any point? Because and, and, you know, the the stuff that the team just went through, Derek, drives home that point pretty starkly, I would think. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, that's that's that maybe is the leading argument is the unknown um, yeah. because it's all math. Right. It's are you trading 55 games of I mean, the other day when this started, it was would you trade? having him for six games versus having him for 162. And that's exactly, a no, yeah. that's a no brainer. Right. Um, it gets harder when you go, well, would they try to pry that additional year off by waiting into next year to mm-hmm. call him up? But he's, you know, you option him out. He's got to go on the 40 man. So you're, you're not delaying the option part, but so what if, I mean, if he is what everybody thinks he is and it's likely going to be, they yeah. ain't worried about those three option years, That's right. but they are worried about service time. And then you're starting to trade, you know, 60 games this season plus 30 game next season, 90 games into, or maybe a little bit more than that into 162. That's a little harder math. So, um, you know, you bring up a good point is the, 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 I guess the, the, what is the word I'm here on a podcast trying to think of the word. (laughs) The writer Um, doesn't have a word. What? How, how perilously likely, it is that this season does not run to completion right. has to be in the back of their heads. Um, I, I thought it was interesting. The two elements, uh, what you touched on, I would argue that Justin Turner did get a chance that they did hold the door open for him and that he just did not produce. And that led to his radical change that brought out a better player. I think well, he, he was a bench guy though. He was never somebody who like, no, I don't no, know, man, he was with the Mets or the Dodgers. He was considered, a depth guy who could play a lot of different positions. He got 487 plate appearances, man, as a as a young player for the Mets. Yeah, on they, a bad they, team, they, though. I know, or but they, they ran him out there and said, here's your chance. And he played regularly, and he was not good. Um, but then the but then the, the change in playing time happened. Um, but I but I think Justin Turner got the chance there with the Mets that you're talking about with the Cardinals. But what but what echoes in the Cardinals ears and maybe they need to plug their ears is Oscar Mercado is the starting center fielder yeah, for Cleveland. Exactly, exactly. Marco Gonzalez is the opening day starter for Seattle and the Cardinals have look, they, they had more pitching than they could hold on to. Right. So they had to make a call. They felt that they had more outfielders than they had to hold on to, you know, and they, so they had to make a call. 
right. all these things are 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 true but a lot of times they want to prove that they made the right call so Harrison Bader runs out there probably as many days as Oscar Mercado is going to run out there in, in center field right you know because why because eventually they're going to prove that they picked the right guy I mean I, you know that's that's the thing that I think is most interesting about the Cardinals is they they have a very kudos to them and other teams see it too they they have a development machine yes. Gary Larock and what they're able to do part of the part of its drafting part of its development let's not ignore both of those parts but they are particularly mm-hmm. good at developing pitching and the Cardinals are going to host a team the Cubs who have not been yep. so that is a real thing nope. um but so is identifying how and when to use somebody and also when to move on from somebody. And you could make the case there for a long time. The Cardinals did pretty well with that, right? I mean, like they, they, they traded James Ramsey, you know, they, they traded some of these young pitchers that they had, some of whom never met and reached the majors. Right. Um, But in recent years, in the last few years, they've, they've, They've uh, pollinated other pitching staffs with talent. Um, some of that was necessary. You had to trade talent For to sure. get Marcelo Zuna. That's fair. To get Goldschmidt, right. To get Goldschmidt. You had to make those moves. And they had the depth that they could do it. But there's been other moves along the way, you know, trades here, Tommy trying to move guys there, Tommy Pham, you know, where it was to clear way for somebody that, you know, did you can really question, did they identify the right guy? And now you get to a point where have they committed so much to being right about this guy that they won't make a move? Yeah. You know, it's funny because in a normal year, like they've really dug their heels in. I, I agree. I mean, I, and, and look, this is the problem. And I, and I, when I look at the team, they've had massive success for a really long time. I don't know if this is correct or if it's close, but I, I, am I right? Like in the last, was it, See, I can't remember the time frame. I can't remember if it was 10 years or if it was eight years or whatever, but they've only been eliminated from the postseason for a total of like three days or four days. Well, that's like, changed recently, but yeah, yeah there was a yeah. good 10 year stretch there. That's correct. But like, this is the crazy part. Like we know that they're good at things. <laughs> I think it was the right? first 10 years of Mosellox or first 11 or 12 years of Mosellox run as the head of baseball operations. They right. had a grand total of, three or four days it was jeter-esque right it's crazy and and Mm. that comes into it like this is where i where i kind of go back and forth because there are times when you you look at what they're doing like we're talking about here like there's it's almost we we believe so much in what we do that that the evidence isn't even going to change our mind right like that's how it feels when you're looking at it from the outside but you still have the standard that over a long period of time, they have been right enough to where mm-hmm. they kind of confirms their process to them, yeah. right? Where they said, hey, we've been doing it this way for 10, 15 years. Look at the, you know, we've gotten World Series out of this, or you know, multiple World Series out of doing it this way. Um, you know, we've had plenty of playoff experiences. And yeah, we've made mistakes, but we feel like the good overwhelms the bad. So we're not going to change how we go about our business where fans are looking at it and saying, but there's a whole lot of evidence saying this one thing's not working. There's a whole lot of evidence saying that, like, you know, I I think the the Brett Cecil song and dance is the example. You're just so praying that it wasn't a big waste of money that you're going to let a guy that really probably should have been let go a year and a half ago 
hang around, hang around, hang around because he's got a contract. Now, it never hurt the team because he was hurt all of last year. It's not like right. something, you know, it, was not, it wasn't something that damaged their chances last year or this year because they let him go before the season started. But I think that there's that that dynamic between the fan base and the team where the fan base is way too quick to want change. The team is way too slow to want change. And I'm trying to be somewhere in the middle there where I'm like, okay, maybe we don't need to go as fast as the fan base, but maybe we do need to go a little faster than we've been going when it comes to something that's not working. There's There was no harm in keeping Brett Cecil around. It was no, somewhat no, of a not when he's on the lottery ticket. Yeah. Right, but it was also somewhat a, lot, somewhat a lottery ticket. Like, maybe this works out. I mean, he was talented at one point. He got the mm-hmm. money invested. Maybe it does work out. It also speaks to the difference between the Yankees and the Dodgers and say the Cardinals because the Dodgers would bail because they have the money that they can they can right, get paper right. over that the Cardinals don't approach the payroll that way they see that you know they have Brett Cecil who they spent a lot of money on to act like Andrew Miller and they then didn't get that result so they had to go and add Andrew Miller so they think <laughs> right. they think of all this as sunk cost as part of the cost and they're not like well we can just replace that with more money they go, well, we need to get something from that or replace it with a young player who is going to do something, you know, above the value of his salary. Right. I also, you know, want to point out, though, that, yes, the Cardinals have been successful and, yes, the Cardinals have been contenders, but the Cardinals have also stopped short multiple times Absolutely. of going beyond the line, just going just going to the point where it hurts. Um, and have only won a title when they had Albert Pujols at first base. And a Hall of Fame manager. And, and a Hall of Fame manager. Yeah. Now, 2013, you know, was a very impressive team there. You know, they had a chance. Yep. Um, and that was a good team that ran into, um, you know, a, a fine Red Sox team and yep. um, an inability to walk David Ortiz. and. Yeah. Then a young pitcher who was sublime for a lot of the postseason, who, you know, had never been that deep into a year before. And maybe that caught up with Waka a little bit yeah. against the Red Sox for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a lot going on there. And then the four, the 2014 team was was really good. Yep. I thought I thought yep. that was a really strong team, probably capable of winning a title um, and then ran into uh, a very curious pitching decision that, again, involved Waka. So uh-huh. um I think that you you look to where the Cardinals have been, and yes, a lot of success. But you, there's there's this i there's this notion though that the Cardinals have been really good at getting to the edge of the high dive. Yep, and haven't gone over it since they had Albert Pools to push them. Yeah, and I think that you know if you like they've made moves, right? I mean, like this argument that like you're not going to be able to tell me that they're not trying to do things, right? Because you know they go out and get Paul Goldschmidt, you go out and you right. get Marcelo Zuna. But was 2011 the last time they did anything of significance at the trade deadline where you're in season, where you're in season, you know, you're good and you're close and you're in it and you have that chance to do what you're talking about, which is go that extra step. Give yourself a better chance. I think that is probably the, the, the easiest thing to criticize about the team is when you've been in it, when you've Mm -hmm. been close. And now some of these years have been different, right? The year that, Mike Matheny got fired. 
I mean, they weren't that good until until after that fact, right? Well, they until didn't they run until later with young guys, yeah. yeah. Right, right. They didn't get they didn't make a run until later on. Uh, until after that fact, I wouldn't have made any deals at that deadline either, based on where the team was at the standing. But I think I think that's kind of that balance. It's the when do you make a correction on the fly and how, right? Now this year is super weird. Like there's a reason why I'm not on Twitter screaming. Why aren't you bringing up Dylan Carlson? It's because this year is just weird. Is it, you know, I'm still battling with the, is it, is it worth starting the clock for whatever this is and whatever it's going to be? Like I, I get that now more than I would get that if it were a regular season. If this was a normal season, we got to be a little bit quicker when it comes to figuring out what's working and what's not working, I think. Right. Well, so where do you think they are? Like just to bring this all back around, they they've had their uh, they've had their roster eroded um, yeah. by COVID nineteen. So where are they? Are they still a contending team? I mean, should those expectations still be there? I mean, the Marlins just came out and won three games in a row, coming off the same thing, and they lost more of their roster, and their roster was weaker. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they they lost what was it eighteen players, fifteen players off their active roster. I think it was 15. They lost half of their active roster, and they've come out. Granted, they were playing the Orioles, um, yeah. who are were playing well before that, though, right? They had they had won some games before that. Um, I, I mean, I think you're you're in this season. You're a contender until you're not, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, until you've proven that you're not. And I would say that you you play this like you're still planning on making the postseason because there are 16 postseason spots. You know, it's it shouldn't be that complicated for a Cardinals team with the with the resources that they do have and the farm system that they do have and the depth. I mean, I, that's one thing I love about the, the franchise where they are right now. They've got plenty of depth. Um, the question is going to be how quickly do you adapt if things aren't going well? And when is that? You know, I think yeah. was it Mo made the point yesterday? Look, it's been five games. <laughs> it, yeah. feels, it feels like longer because it's been two more. It's been more than two weeks or it's been about two weeks, but it's it's only five games. So I'm not saying we're at the panic well, point yet. They will have gone two weeks between starts. Right. And I and I think yeah. that they should still – obviously, they should still be looking at, like, making the postseason this year. I mean, it shouldn't be critically hard to be a little bit over 500, right? I mean, that's right. all it's going to take. If you have 31, 32 right. wins, you're probably going to be in that 16. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or if you're – you know, you know, if they have to go by percentage, if you're just a bit over 500. From a pure baseball standpoint, the biggest question facing the Cardinals hasn't changed, and it hasn't changed in 2019, and it hasn't changed five games into 2020, and it hasn't changed coming out of quarantine in 2020, and it doesn't look like it's going to change for another week in 2020. It hasn't changed with the addition of the DH. It hasn't changed with the shortened season. It hasn't changed with a new cleanup hitter, a new leadoff hitter. It hasn't changed at all. It's still how are they going to score runs. The one right. thing baseball-wise that has significantly changed is they had remarkable pitching depth, and it is fair to ask if that has been exhausted because in the span of 10 days, they have lost 40% of their rotation to different mm-hmm. things, and they have lost their – well, they've lost – you know, they didn't have the guy who would have been closer to start the season at full strength. Now maybe he's back, but he's also gone through quarantine. Right. They've had to readjust their new addition pitcher from closer – which was a curious call to begin that with. Was really weird. Back to the rotation, um, you know, the, the, they have they have benefited from the 
exceptional performance in spring and summer camp of Austin Gomber and Daniel Ponce de Leon. Mm -hmm. And now they're going to have to use them, though it was a fair question as to whether or not they were going to even use them in high leverage spots. So I think, you know, the the questions baseball wise, baseball wise on the field wise, the biggest one has not changed for the Cardinals is how are they going to score runs? Um, They now and now we've introduced additional questions is how how good are they going to be at preventing runs their defense in the infield is going to be different without paul de young who has made himself into a above average shortstop their you know their look on offense is going to be different because paul de young had some of the best timing of anybody coming out of spring and then going through summer camp where he was he looked on point as a cleanup hitter and really worked on being better with runners in scoring position and knew that his production there was going to help unlock Paul Goldschmidt as well. So, I mean, the biggest question hasn't been answered. Other questions have been now introduced. Mm -hmm. And I I think it's a, I think it's fascinating. I mean, I, I like if the Cardinals were like, well, okay, the, the season has not gone as planned. We're going to, we're going to get nuts to quote Ben Fredrickson. Let's just go crazy. <laughs> Dylan Carlson, you're the center fielder. This let's have some fun and see what happens. I, I mean, I wouldn't fault them for doing that either. No, no. Look, I, I think some of it is just, they're very, they're very open to creativity with pitching, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, and I, I, I still think the pitching's going to be okay. I mean, with other teams in the league, losing players to injury, the yeah. way that we've seen, I mean, you know, pitching. But you can't count are, the Cardinals can avoid that. I no, mean, if no, anything, no. they're that's a bigger risk too. Sure, sure. The more you, the more players use, but these guys that tested positive are coming back. Well, I should say are are likely coming back, right? I mean, it might be a couple of weeks, might be longer, might be a little less. I mean, it can be anywhere in that range, but they're pro- they're coming back at some point, uh, barring something. And you know, here I'm knocking on wood, Derek, hoping that none of the people who are currently out with COVID have problems that last that linger beyond. Absolutely. Health obviously is first, but I mean, reasonably speaking, they're probably back. And if not all of them, several of them will be back. Um, I still think they have an edge there. The question to me is when do you start getting creative with how you're going to put things together in your offense? When do you start maybe doing a little bit of what Tampa Bay does and mixing and matching Martinez? Oh, like, what? oh okay. <laughs> I mean, I mean, like platooning somebody. I mean, yeah, you know, OK, we love Harrison Bader, but he hasn't hit right handers for a year and a half. Yeah. You know, I mean, and we I know we got to give people a chance, but at what, what you know, this is that kind of that going back to the conversation we had about 10 minutes ago, which is do you do you play all out to win games every day right now? Or do you say we're going to hold the door open for you? I mean, and I we don't know that the problem is we don't know that Lane Thomas is any better. Right. We don't know it. We don't have any. We're not sure. We don't know if you put Justin Williams in there as part of a platoon that's going to face right handers. We don't know if he's going to be able to do that. We don't know if he can hit major league pitching or not. So, you know, I guess that's kind of the, the catch 22 is they need Colton Wong to be good on at the plate. I mean, he's fine defensively. They need him to hit some. He's got to I mean, be. He's proven at this point. Yes, but they need it though. It's yeah, not yeah. an option. It's not optional. They need him to be what he was offensively last year. They need yeah. Matt Carpenter to be Matt Carpenter, not last year Matt Carpenter. Like no, they need, they need him to be a 2018 guy. Because if they he's need not, the forty double guy. 
Yeah, if he's not, the, the offense is not going to be good this year. That's I said correct. before before this season, to me, the entire offense turned around him. I think that's fair. And then whether or not Goldie is more Goldie than he was last year. If Goldie yeah. is the 900 OPS Goldie, that's going to make a difference. If Carpenter is the 840, 850 OPS guy, there's where your offense is going to get better. And if those two things don't happen, there's no the other stuff isn't going to matter. That's fair. I'm of a mind that Goldschmidt was partially not the 900 guy because he had so few at-bats with runners on base, and so he just could get pitched around. I don't disagree. Yeah, I don't and disagree at all. We there. have to take that into account. Yeah, and, it, and well, that gets back to the adjustment, right? When yeah. did things start to get better? They started to get better when Fowler and Wong were put in the top two spots in the order. And they got and, on base. And that didn't happen until August. Or when they had, or Paul Goldschmidt had that, you know, was the NL player of the month for July when he hit cleanup right. a lot of that time when Azuna was out. So he had three more chances to get somebody on base in front of him. You know, I mean, or, you know, the had three chances. Yeah. And that's kind of where I, it, it's not, I'm, I'm not saying that this is now, because again, I recognize they've only played five games, but mm -hmm. this is the question that lingers with me is, do you wait too long before you try something else? Right. You know, like last year it worked. It was fine. They got it done. They got it done in time. They made the postseason. They made a little run in the postseason. So it's not like we can sit there and say, well, all these decisions hurt them. I mean, they were in the NLCS. So, you know, whatever they did in the regular season was good enough to put them in that spot. They needed to be better in that series. And that can be fairly criticized. But, the you know, because they didn't hit in that series. But they, they absolutely waited four months before they put the two best on base percentages at the top of the order in front of Paul Goldschmidt. And when, this year, what, you know, the equivalent of four months is really what? Three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. So I don't know. That's going to be, I mean, I think, I think four days feels like four months to be honest. I, I think, I, yeah. I think I, I think I have to vote in Milwaukee now. Um, I think I, I, I think <laughs> maybe pay taxes in Wisconsin. I'm, I'll tell I'm you sure what, man, did, you, did you open a cheese factory? I did not. No, no, but I had quite a few curds. Okay. Um, you know, at the beginning of this and, you know, we'd kind of bring everything back around here. Um, at the beginning of the season, I was talking with Gordon Wintmeyer, who, you know, covers the Cubs there yep. in Chicago and has for a long time. And I asked him, like, is it okay? Like, the way I would describe the Cubs is, is fragile. I just thought that they were, like, at a fragile point in their current era. Yeah. You know, what direction does Bryant go? Where's their pitching going to come from? They had some injuries in the starting pitching staff. Age is coming in. And they haven't been able to develop their own pitchers to provide that depth. And it just seemed like that they were at a fragile point where they either were going to squeeze another year or two out of this group of contending, or they could radically pivot right away. And mm -hmm. you know, finances are part of that and everything like that. And so I asked him if fragile was okay. Um, as he used, and he agreed. I think the Cardinals have entered into a precarious realm. Um, I think that's where they're at right now. And that covers both baseball and also what they've experienced in the past week. They've had the precarious nature of not adhering to protocols right to the letter or right. even the questions of things that they did that were permissible but the optics of look wrong or, or right. things on the field, like in Minnesota, where I kid you not, people can go back and look where I was asking about the, whether or not the Marlins were a cautionary tale that caused the Cardinals to rethink some of the things that were happening on the field, including players clustering 
Right. Um, some high fives that we saw. I mean, that, that was the question that I asked, you know, spacing in the dugout, why there were too many people and there were so many people in the dugout. And, and I got some pushback on asking that question, like, like almost like I didn't understand the dynamics of a baseball field and I yeah. get it and that's fine. But there was a reason why I was asking that. And, you know, the Marlins were the reminder to everybody. Well, the Cardinals now are the cautionary tale, right? And there's new rules that are being in place. Um, there's new monitoring thing because now like, hey, don't leave the hotel at all, right? It was like, don't go to restaurants, don't go to bars, don't go where people are gathered. Well, don't go anywhere at all. So, hey, the golf trip that the Cardinals had, not doing that. Or some of the, you know, some some gathering, you know, either, even at the ballpark, not doing that. So I, I wonder if they're just at a precarious spot and not just as contenders yeah, and not just coming out of quarantine. But also as a brand, that's a good question. I mean, I I think they have so much equity built up in that brand that that's probably stronger than um, than it would be maybe in another marketplace if you had the same kind of questions. Um, but in baseball, I, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, look, they've they've been talked about forever as the team that does things the right way, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if whenever you hear a national broadcast, what do you hear? You either hear about the cardinal way or you just hear. These are guys, they do things the right way. Strong culture, strong leaders, strong culture. They got a really strong culture. They got a good moral compass. They got a good compass. They got a good compass. They got a true north, Kevin. They got a true, true north. They got a magnetic north, Kevin. Yes, and they they believe in it for sure. (laughs) There's no doubt. Now, here's my thing, and I want to build off of that because I've been watching the Cardinals, obviously, and I've been watching the rest of Major League Baseball. And Mm -hmm. until the Marlins thing happened, Nobody oh my god! Was following any rules? No, you know, no and, rules whatsoever. And, and for don't for a moment don't think that people weren't asking about it. Hey, where are the masks? I can't tell you how many times it was like, oh no, we got we got this covered. We got a good. Yeah. And one of the things that got brought them comfort was how much testing they were doing. This was correct. Brought comfort. Well, we've gone through all this testing. Well, we went through the two weeks, you know, and now we're a bubble. Now we're a bubble. This is our family. This yeah. is like your home, right? Yeah. You don't wear a face mask around your home and everything like that. It's like okay, that's cool. But I know where the people in my home have been. Yes. Well, that's the thing that's driven me nuts. And it's not just the Cardinals. I mean, they, they obviously fell into this, but everybody else has been there. Now, I've seen some good things since all of this with the Marlins and the Cardinals. And obviously now MLB is putting in these things that should have been from the beginning anyway, right? Like they weren't enforcing any of it. They were just suggesting it. Whoever thought that just suggesting things hasn't been paying attention to the world. Because people are not just going to take your suggestion. They're going to do what they're comfortable with doing. And we allow too much people's comfort to get in the way. And I've had this conversation endlessly. Um, I had this conversation on on Sirius XM a a week ago. But you know what? Somebody just saying, you you just can't stop these guys from doing the things that they've always done. Like, yes, you can. We all had to stop doing things that we've always done. I mean, it's. It's, let's not act like asking guys to not high five and bro hug is that complicated. When it's was the last complicated, time, Kevin? When was the last time you hugged somebody you weren't related to? I mean, it, I mean that's a great question. It, it pro, I mean, better I yet, when was the last time you hugged it. somebody you don't live with? It's been a long time. I mean, I, now recounting like dabbing it up and having a little bro nope. hug, like a handshake and a lean in, because those nope. I've had a few of those, but I haven't had that since February. I mean, I've probably seen my mom six, seven, eight times. Since oh, I haven't, all seen, this, I haven't right? seen my parents at all since any of this. 
Yeah, I, I mean, haven't hugged my my mom since uh, since January. Yeah, I mean, it's been it, because I mean, I left for spring training, so it right, adds right. you know you're but, adding time to it. But we're all that's the thing. That's my point is we have all made those adjustments. And yeah. what was shocking to me, major, you know, baseball wide, and certainly Cardinals. Now my mom used, didn't just hit a walk off home run. To be right. fair, well, of course. To in be that fair, case, the six times that I've seen her, in that she case, it's a dog not, pile around mom. Yeah, no, I mean, she did not. I just want to be fair there. Like, yeah. that, that, like, I never had the tested where I, you know, she hit a walk-off home run, and I had to go, well, I'm not going to hug you. Yeah, I mean, let's be I mean, honest, man. just to be fair. This is, this is, I mean, in sports, in, in professional sports, guys become, feel like they're invincible, and they convince That's themselves. That's exactly right. They convince themselves of what you said, is that, hey, we're getting tested. We're in our own little bubble, and... Now we ask, how's that working out for you? Yeah. Because it's not about like th- this is the, the procedures that they were asked to follow were not just about keeping the virus out. It was about not spreading it if it got in too. Like those Bingo. should have been two equal things, but one of those things got pushed to the side. Right. And it got pushed to the side for 30 teams. It's just the Marlins and the Cardinals were the first two to pay the price for it. Now hopefully that lesson has been learned. We do have more stringent guidelines out there now from Major League Baseball. And I saw, like we mentioned Justin Turner earlier. I mean, what was it a few, handful of days ago? He he had sent a note to Alana Rizzo, who reports on them for the the uh, their local their local cable outlet. Um, yeah, he said, like, yeah, basically, yeah. So said this Justin Turner saying, "Hey, we are doubling down on all of these things," and he listed all these different procedures that they're going to take it very seriously. Hubs have um, done. Similar things too. Yes, yes. Anthony Rizzo. I don't know why the name Rizzo is involved in both of those cases, but Anthony Rizzo was saying some of those very same things that we're going to be good about this, and we are going to because we want to finish this. We got something good going. We want to finish this. I've just been shocked at the lack of common sense. Like you know that, like there's the two pronged battle. We want to mm-hmm. keep it. We want to keep it out. But the only way you're keeping it out is if you're in like the NBA bubble where nobody's coming and going in out of, in or out of the bubble. And if they do go out to come back in, they've got to quarantine and prove that they don't have anything. And even that isn't foolproof. I mean, we may still see a problem pop up there. because well, it'll there spread are, rapidly if it does. And if right, That's exactly right. And if it does get in there, it's going to go quick. Um, but you can't work with that assumption mm-hmm. that, well, because we're testing, because as we know, you've got the incubation period, you can test negative and still have it. Because it just hasn't fired up yet. I know that's the scientific term, Derek. It hasn't fired up yet. <laughs> but the the point is that like I'm I, I'm I'm happy that the lesson has now been learned. I just wish it didn't take two teams losing essentially either a quarter of or a half of their roster, and you know now having questions about recoveries. Right? I mean, we see Eduardo Rodriguez for the Red Sox has a heart condition now after having COVID nineteen, yeah. and he's out for the year. There's a college football player at, at the University of Indiana, Brady Feeney, who's from St. Louis, by the way. But he's a foot, he's an offensive lineman at the University of Indiana, had a really bad bout of COVID. And now he's having his mom posted a long uh, message on on a Facebook group of parents of college football players. And he's now having heart problems, too. So, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. We yeah, hope saw that, that this Awful. isn't going to happen to any of the, of the players. I'm and glad it's you brought that story up, Kevin. Yeah, it, it out. I mean, it's it's. Yeah, college age guy, right? Guy that's 18, 19 years old dealing with that. Yeah. 
And the idea here is it's not that that's gonna, that that is going to happen in a super high percentage of times. We don't know. But the more people that you get into the group, the more chances that something serious is going to happen. Right. Right. Which is why so, adhering to the protocols from the beginning should have been what every grown person should have been willing to do. Will you permit me a little story time here as we yes. as we close our conversation? I love story times. So I was on St. Louis Public Radio and they asked me a question about, you know, and it's something that I'd said on the podcast as well. This notion that like if baseball gets through this and I truly believe it, that it's a remarkable feat of human cooperation. I mean, it's just 5,800 yeah. feet pulling in the same direction. And then, so they asked me, they said, do you still think that's possible? And, uh, and I was like, well, that's a real interesting way to ask me if I believe in our society. Um, and you want to get philosophical about it. So <laughs> on the, on the fly, I, I try to come up with a, a good answer because I, I try to do that. Um, you know, even when, um, when asked to come up with an immediate answer, but I, I told this story and I, I think it applies. Um, long ago as an intern at the Palm beach post, I was asked to go cover a speedboat race off the coast of Florida, um, or assigned. I wasn't asked. I was assigned to do it. <laughs> told um, to. Yeah. yeah. Told to, um, it was fascinating. It was a fascinating event to, to cover because so much of it is out of sight. And then when you see the boats, they're moving so fast, it's not really clear who's winning. Um, but it was an amazing thing to do because I got taken out on a boat and then, um, you know, watch the race and come back. Um, and I talked to the people who won the, um, who won the race. And this, this will be a test of your pop culture too. How about that, Kevin? Cause I know right. how, how into movies you are and everything like that. Well, the name of their boat was zero defect. Does that ring a bell? It does not. From inner space. Like I'm letting you. Do. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, didn't, okay. I, I didn't have that one. You're not like a Martin short. You know, <laughs> you're not really into that. I mean, I really pegged you as a Martin short, you know, that you, that he was your guy. Ed the only thing that, the only thing that really connects there is that he and I are both actually short. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, Zero Defect was the name of their boat. And I said, that's an interesting, you know, I knew because because I was into the movies and everything like uh -huh. that. And I said, well, why did you draw that? And he said, well, you know, it resonated with us, but here's the reason why. And he said, we're moving at such a high rate of speed over water that this boat can't have any problems. Right. And the example he gave was, and, you know, he was obvious. I mean, this, this was the point he was trying to make. He goes, think about a loose bolt, right? A loose bolt comes undone while we're racing. That bolt, because of the speed we're going, will be able to move at a rate that would puncture the hull. Right. And we're done. And so he said, we named our boat Zero Defect as a reminder that we can't go out there with any defects. It's not like, oh, well, you know, hey, it's it's running a little loose today. It's, it's fine. We can go out there because that's not acceptable. Right. That will come apart. And so that that was the lesson of being on the road to me. When I was driving through Iowa, driving up there to Minneapolis or driving over to Milwaukee, and I was moving from hotel to hotel, and I was trying to figure out, okay, where can I go to eat? What can I do? Who can yeah. I see? How far away does do I have to be? If I go to this place, can I keep away from crowds? If I go here, do I wear a mask? How do I get gas? How many times do I wash my hands? Where yeah. do I go you in the hotel? my whole summer of coaching. Right. Okay. All Going all around questions. and doing all those same things. Yeah. And you realize that, holy cow, you're not in control. <laughs> you, you're not. You can take every precaution and you're just not in control. I ran into one thing at the, at the hotel where, let's say, my 
habits ran in stark contrast to somebody else's. Right. And theirs were overpowering the situation. And it's like, I have to extricate myself from this situation because this is going nowhere. Mm-hmm. And I would, in n- normal times, I, would, I wouldn't I would have. I would help. I would try to do something, you know, just because, but it was like, this is, this person is going to, I don't know, I don't know what they're doing. And so it dawned on me that like, I'm moving around in this and I'm taking every precaution possible because to continue to cover the team, I need to, to continue to do my sure. job. I need to, if I get ill or if I get exposed or if any of those things happen, I'm 14 days out at yep. least. And maybe more so because I can't risk the health of my family or the ability to do my job. These are realities. And it, and still I could only keep things at arm's distance. Now imagine being a team. And this brings us back to the story that I was telling. They essentially have to be a zero defect. They have to create a zero defect Ziploc around them because the virus found a seam in the Cardinals' actions, in the Cardinals' practices, mm-hmm. in who the Cardinals had contact with, and got in and spread. Right. So you have to have a zero defect Ziploc, and I don't know if that's possible. Yeah, I don't know that it is either. I mean, it, it, you know, the, the problem here, and you hear this is a cliche that you'll hear from uh, managers, coaches in other sports, you name it. You got to control what you can control, right? But in baseball, I don't think that teams have been doing that. I don't think they've been controlling the parts that they can control. Because again, that's the the point is, you want to seal the bubble off, like like we're talking about, right? You want to have that zero defect on the outer hull. But if on the inside the guy driving doesn't know how to drive, the boat could be perfect. You're still not going to get where you want to go. You're still not going to be racing. You you've got to control what you're doing on the inside as well as trying to put up on the, sh- the shield on the outside. And I think now, given that you've had these two outbreaks, most of Major League Baseball will probably do that. I mean, you heard Derek Jeter say, essentially, his team got complacent. They thought they had it under wraps, and then they, they lost focus. Well, that's not controlling what you can control. And that's where the Cardinals wound up kind of the same thing, right? It's not that it got in. To me, that's not the, the problem. It's probably going to get in. We've seen it get in with other players in other places. But those things didn't turn into 13 people suffering from COVID. They didn't turn into outbreaks. They -hmm. turned into one guy or two guys being put onto the injured list and then going into the protocol. And that's what the, 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 the interior actions are supposed to prevent, right? I mean, this is why you're not supposed to spit and fist bump and chew tobacco and dog pile after walk-ups and all that, because that's your second line of defense. And if that first line cracks, the second line is, all right, if, if one or two guys move on, well, wait, look, we've got a 60-man group to choose from. We're okay. But mm-hmm. if it's half your team, because every, you know, because as, again, as Jeter put it, they got, they got lax with their protocols. They got comfortable. Well, there, there is where the problem multiplies. Yeah. I mean, I think you can include the Cardinals in that. I think the, well, the way for sure. I mean, described it is fair to say that the Cardinals um, did not, and and they have they have admitted that in circuitous ways, um, they have acknowledged that the optics weren't all that good. But their practices on the field, they had coaches, um, staff members who were saying we we have to do better. Right. We have to do better doing this. We have to we have to be better. And this was in the days leading up to the 
the positive tests. So right. they were at least aware. Um, Kevin, where can people find you? Where, when is your next, uh, next appearance on Sirius XM? My, my companion, as I drive on the road with uh, a <laughs> good pal, Mike Farron and yeah. when you're on, I'll tune in as I, as I, as I crisscross as much as States will let me, I guess, I guess I got to pay attention to that too. Um, you know, in the coming future. Yeah, that's a really good question. I don't know yet. <laughs> yeah, KMOX, right? I mean, you, uh, yeah, I've been, been helping out with them a uh, little bit here and there. We did, I did uh, the opening day uh, pre-pre game, the keg, the virtual kegs and eggs with my buddy Tom Ackerman and had a great time doing that. Nice. Um, I'm sure there'll be some stuff popping up there. Uh, same thing with MLB Network Radio and Mad Dog. I just did a couple of days on Mad Dog this week already in the evening. So we'll great. see, man. It's I'm, I'm, I'm uh, on that side of things. I'm a week to week guy. I, well, the season is day to day, so that works out really well. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I'm just going with the times, buddy. Yeah, I don't even know where I'll be next week. I know I won't be in Iowa. No field yeah. of dreams, but I could nope. be in Detroit. So who knows? There you go. Hey, you know, Iowa, Detroit, what's the difference? Well, the pizza's better in Detroit. A lot the, better in Detroit. Buddy's pizza's and, amazing. And Iowa's heaven. Uh, I guess if you're in that one particular place. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Ken. We'll find another reason to have you on the best podcast in baseball so we can talk uh, about, you know, the, we can put the baseball back in best podcast in baseball. How about I that? Mean, that? That would be great. If the world will cooperate, we can definitely do that. Sounds good. The best podcast in baseball is brought to you by Closets by Design. Get organized with Closet by Design of St. Louis. Update your closet, garage, office, pantry, and more. Call 1-800-BY-DESIGN. That's 1-800-BY-D-E-S-I-G-N. Closets by Design, the sponsor, the official sponsor of the best podcast in baseball. And hopefully we're back on a weekly schedule here. Again, I apologize for that. You can find the best podcast in baseball and all of the Constant Cardinals coverage, columns, chats, everything at stltoday.com and in the pages of the Post-Dispatch. You can also find the podcast at iTunes and anywhere you get your podcast at iTunes. You can listen to individual episodes, download individual episodes, or subscribe. Subscriptions make the sponsorships possible, so please subscribe because sponsorships make the podcast possible. You can also rate and review. Kevin, thanks for joining me. Thanks for uh, thanks for talking me through this. Um, how about, uh, say, 2021? one maybe july we'll have a hug <laughs> or at least another guys night of wings and hockey right yeah at, oh yeah will there be hockey in july 2021 probably probably <laughs> the way it's going now yeah the way they're going to end this year they're probably going to have to delay next year so yeah they're probably kick back next year will the blues ever they'll just remain in edmonton they'll be bubble hockey next year too what a world wow. I, it's unreal all right well, <laughs> I'm giving you a, a virtual elbow bump, man. We're going. All right, I got you back right there. BPIB Bash Brothers here. Thank you very much for joining me, man. Always a pleasure, man. We'll do it anytime.